0: I've been having a conversation with God for a while now, but there was a particular topic I've been kind of working with, just wrestling through. And I'd chatted to a couple of pastors that had thrown a few extra questions in there and just wrestling with about the life of the church. And last Sunday morning, God really just overwhelmed me with a whole bunch of stuff. I wasn't actually thinking about it. I wasn't asking for it. But He he chose last Sunday morning when I woke up to just... It was like a, a picnic hamper. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a whole lot of stuff all at once and you're kind of looking at it and trying to process and understand what he was saying. And so I came to church last Sunday morning and as I was driving, uh, I went, Lord, you know, is this a word for me? When you feel God's given your word, it's good to kind of go, first of all, is it God? Is this the Lord speaking or is, you know, is this something else or is this my own imagination, whatnot? So I was kind of pondering that and I was thinking, okay, is it is a word for me? Is it a word for the church? Um, is it a word for someone specific? And, and when do you want me to share this, Lord, if this is something that you want me to share? I thought, Kelly's on this week. You know, my logistic brain jumps in straight away. Kelly's on this week. Sam's on next week. Uh, this isn't uh, like three weeks' time. I kind of feel like I need to share this, but where does it fit? And so I just sat waiting for an answer to that. And Sam came up to me after the service and said, now next week, I know... I'm down to speak and I can do that. I can make it work. I feel like God's given me something to share, but I've got a bit of preparation I need to do and and I can can commit to that this week. But I have a real sense that you're meant to share something next week. And I was like, okay, here we go. And so I was like, let's keep praying about this and we'll catch up midweek and see where we're at. And so we did that and both agreed that Sam had moved to another week and I would share what God had laid on my heart. And so it's a little bit of a different message because as I've tried to process it, as I've tried to sugarcoat it, God just keeps coming back to what He told me. And so it's, it's a little bit raw. There's a guy called Greg Bailey, Greg and Julie Bailey, who came and, and taught on prophecy. One of the things they said was, when someone gives a prophecy, it's like water coming through a hose. When you drink out of a hose, it always tastes a bit like the hose. And so when when a prophecy, when someone shares what they feel like the Lord is saying, there's there's a bit of me in that. And so what I really encourage you this morning to do is to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as well. That as my words come out, that the Holy Spirit's actually talking. Does that make sense? Whenever anyone shares, and it's not a thus saith the Lord sort of a a word this morning, but it is something that I do believe God really wants to speak to us through. And so I don't want to get in the way of that. And yet, as I've come to this morning, a lot of my thought has been trying to overmanage it. So does that make sense? First of all, he threw me back to a situation with the Israelites. And it comes from 1 Samuel 8. The Israelites had been God's people for a while now. They'd, they'd been set apart. They'd been in the promised land. They'd been freed from Egypt And God had given them prophets and people to to journey with them. But we come to this situation in 1 Samuel 8. And it says this, As Samuel grew old, he appointed his son to be judges over Israel. Which that was the kind of tradition. Joel and Abijah, his oldest son, held court in Beersheba, But they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, the leaders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king like all the other nations have. Samuel was very upset with their request and went to the Lord for advice. Do as they say, the Lord replied, for it is me they are rejecting not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually forsaken me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about how a king will treat them. So Samuel passed on the Lord's warning to the people, and he goes on and shares what it's going to be like under a king. And if we go down to verse 19, But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. Well, we want to be like the nations around us. Our king will govern us and lead us into battle. So Samuel told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord replied, Do as they say and give them a king. Then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. It's a really sad day in in God's picture of his chosen people, his people that were going to represent him in the world. When they decided that they wanted to be like other nations, then they wanted, to, they wanted to have a king like other nations. They wanted to look up to someone like other nations did and miss the fundamental purpose of them being set apart and that God was their king. And we've been doing a series called Simply Follow Me. And we thought last week was the last one. But this week is kind of almost like God's given uh, us a summary of what it means to simply follow Him. Because there's a risk, and and this is what I felt the, the first of three parts were. There's a risk that we seek a King that's not Jesus. The amazing thing was that even though those people chose to stuff it up and, uh, and have a king, uh, put a king in place of God. Do you know the amazing thing that God did in that circumstance? We had Saul as the first king, David as the second, Solomon as the third, and it kept going. And it's prophesied that it'll be in the line of David that the Messiah will come. So we had King David, and then all the way down the line, We have King Jesus. And what's he done? Re-established the king that should have been the king in the first place. So even though people wanted to say, we wanna be like other nations, The, the grass is greener thing. We wanna be like them. We wanna have someone that we can put up on a pedestal and we can follow and we can cheer. And God said, that's not what I want for you. That's not the way it was meant to be. But if you wanna reject me, I'm not going to stop you. And yet even in that circumstance, he put himself back on the throne through Jesus. And we have faced the same challenge today. There's so many things that we can put on the throne instead of Jesus. And so when we say simply follow me is Jesus calling, follow me. There's that challenge. There's that wrestle that we face every day. Every day we face that challenge of what it means Simply follow me. He then threw me into um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to mature Christians. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. We see again that we want to be like other nations. There's that tension of what it's like to be in the world and what it's like to be a Jesus follower. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food, because you couldn't handle anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your own sinful desires. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your own desires? You're acting like people who don't belong to the Lord. When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I prefer Apollos. Aren't you acting like those who are not Christians? Who is Apollos and who is Paul? That we should be the cause of such quarrels. Why, we're only servants. Through us, God caused you to believe. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God, not we, who made it grow. The ones who do the planting or watering aren't important. But God is important because he is the one who makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work as a team with the same purpose. Yet they will be rewarded individually according to their own hard work. We work together as partners who belong to God. You are God's field, God's building, not ours. It paints an amazing picture of these young Christians wanting to grow, wanting to to build up. And yet they were distracted because they were looking for a king elsewhere. They were looking to something to attach themselves to, some identity, some branding. It's really hard in this country to not have a a footy team. You've got to have a footy team. You've got to be attached to a brand. And in the church, it's the same. The first question most people ask you is, what brand are you? (laughs) They don't use those words. What church do you go to? I love being able to say Catalyst Church because they don't know what that is. They go, is is that uh, associated with a denomination? Because that's really what they're asking. What's your brand? What's your brand? And Paul makes it really clear that if you've got a brand that's not God, if Jesus isn't your brand, then you're distracted. You've got to lay something down there. Because Jesus is the king. He is the only king. And until we understand that, until we, we are able to lay down the other things that try and claim kingship in our lives, sometimes that can be people we idolize. Sometimes that can be uh, different career paths. Sometimes that can be denominations. There's a whole heap of things that can distract us from what it is that God's calling us to do. Then if we jump back, into 1 Corinthians 2, just the the chapter before. Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I first came to you, I didn't use lofty words and brilliant ideas to tell you God's message. For I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. I did not use wise and persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so that you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. Again, we see this amazing contrast between what it is to be a Jesus follower and what it is to be stirred up by some impressive speech, what it is to be inspired by Joyce Meyer or or, um, whoever it might be. They're fantastic um, custodians of the message. But we are Jesus worshippers. We are Jesus followers. He is our King. And that was the first thing that God really impressed on me was that we need to make sure we're confident in this. We need to make sure that there is no confusion of who we worship. None of us actually belong to Catalyst Church. We belong to a kingdom. We belong to a kingdom that is Jesus' kingdom. And there is no church you can go to, well, there probably is, but for those that are also Jesus followers, you don't leave any church, you actually go to another part of the kingdom. And we worship in different places, but we serve one king. So that's the first part. The second part was almost a contradiction to that, because... Aussies don't like being told what to do. And I don't know whether it's the same in Fiji. I don't know, do, do Fijians not like being told what to do? So tell me, anyone here who has watched a pirated movie? I'll put your hand up. Admit it. I'm putting my hand up. So someone's torrented it or downloaded it from something or you've got a copy. Come on. We're with family here. Yeah? Now... I'm not I'm not saying this to condemn you, but you made a choice to ignore the law, didn't you? You made a choice to ignore the law. I would suggest you took the law as an advisor in that case, and you went, Do I want to do it? Do I not want to do it? I'm choosing to ignore that advisor and do something that I wanted to do anyway. Is that fair? (laughs) and then you justify it by saying things like, it's okay to ignore bad laws. (laughs) Have you ever tried to tell a tired, worn-out mother parenting advice? No? I can suggest it doesn't go down too well. It's probably not the time to give them advice. But there's this sense as people, and part of it is our very individualistic culture, We start with ourselves as the centre and everything else connects to us. Is that we don't like being told what to do. We're sometimes happy to have advisors, we're sometimes happy to have suggestions and input. But if you tell us what to do, we're probably going to react in a bad way. And the second part of this um, package, this little bundle, was that we need to make a decision. We need to make a choice because Jesus is not an advisor. He's not an advisor to our lives. He is Lord of our lives. That is the way He designed it. And if you want Him as an advisor, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get frustrating. It's going to get discouraging. It's going to get really hard. Because as an advisor, there's some things that you're going to hear that you're not going to like. And there's going to be some things that he's going to suggest, if you want to take the advisor role, that you're actually going to choose to let go of and and let, let go down and not accept. But Jesus didn't design the picture to look that way. He designed it to look like he was Lord, like he actually was someone that we're following. And if you think about following someone, you can't just pick and choose when you're following them. So if I was going to say, follow me, we're going to the shops and you decide to follow me to the corner and head a different way, you're not going to get to the shops. Maybe you might catch up with me further down, but you're going to go the long way. Does that make sense? So a follower is someone that actually has chosen for Jesus not to be an advisor, but someone that has chosen for Jesus to be Lord, chosen to follow him. This is something that we find very hard in our culture. This is something we find very hard to stomach, to receive. And yet we've got a beautiful opportunity as a body, as a group of people, to take that, to take that word of us being followers of Jesus to a new place. We've got an opportunity to take what that means to a new place. And I don't think it's an accident that uh, God has given us this series of, of wrestling with what sometimes on the surface seems simple of being a follower of Jesus and actually working through what that looks like. I think that's been deliberate because He wants us to make a choice. Am I an advisor or am I your Lord? Because He can't be both. It doesn't work when He's both. And if he's an advisor, that's awesome, but that's going to be really hard. It's not that following him is, is easy, but being an advisor is not what he's there for. The third part is what is in this room. In this room is an amazing bunch of people. In this room is God's gift to you. In this room is God's purpose. And it's not the room. It's the people that is called together. One of the things that started my debate was getting together with a bunch of pastors and one of them sharing that they've decided maybe they shouldn't go and leave anymore. And the reason they shouldn't go and leave anymore is because every time they go and leave, things go sour and they have to pick up the pieces when they get back. Hmm, that's bizarre. What do you mean? They said, last time I went away, someone actually stood up in the service and berated the person speaking at the front. And so then I had to come back and pick up the pieces afterwards. I was like, how sad is that? How sad is it that this pastor felt like they shouldn't go away anymore because they've got to hold it together? And I thought to myself, I'm so blessed. (laughs) I've just had a few weeks away. And I come back and go, well, maybe this place is better without me. (laughs) Because this place is an amazing place of people who love the Lord, who want to serve Him, who want to press into things. And we've got some really special things going for us. And I'm not, I'm not boasting about Catalyst. I'm boasting about God. Yeah? Can I be clear about what's going on here? Because God impressed on me that we are in a special situation in that we're not big We don't have a long history of tradition and things that we have to do because that's the way we've done it for 40 years. We have a bunch of people who want to press into what God wants to do. And I realised that so often, as as God's saying this, I realised that so often we settle for second best. We kind of go, that's the way people are. That's the way church is. That's the way the world is. And so there's things like the power of prayer. I prayed once, didn't seem to do anything. Oh, well, what does God say about prayer? It's powerful and effective. So are we gonna settle for what the last time I prayed was? or Are we gonna say, no, I'm gonna press in? Are we gonna say, ah, church is full of broken people. It's always gonna be busted and it's always gonna be hard. And they say, no, this is the bride of Christ. This is actually a space where we're called to step in, to press in. And when you put these three pieces together, when you put the fact that Jesus is Lord, that, that, that he has to be the king, we can't put any other kings before him, that he's not an advisor, and that he's put us in a place of purpose, it changes your perspective. And the way you look at things, the way I looked at things this week, the way I wrestled with things was very different. Because all of a sudden, God says there's hope. God says there's intention. God says, don't settle for the things the way you see them, because I see them differently. And even though people give up on people, He never has. Why has He never given up on people? Because He has a plan and a purpose that's bigger, that's more. And so this morning, that's all I've got. But I think it is really significant for us as a body because we have an opportunity, we have a position to make some choices in our own lives, in our families' lives and in the life of the church. In the last little while, navigators have been wrestling with culture, saying there's some areas that we need to shift our culture. And as I've pondered that, I've realised that The culture difference is not something that anyone would say, oh, I don't want to be part of that. It's the difference between accepting the way things are and saying we want to raise the bar. We don't want to settle for the way things are. The culture shift is not that we have to all of a sudden come dressed differently. The culture shift is that we need to say, Lord, we're not comfortable. But we're okay not being comfortable because we know there's somewhere more that you want for us. There's some somewhere of intention. You have an agenda on your mind, and I want it all. So as you wrestle with what it means to be to have Jesus as King, that He's not just an advisor, and that He ha- has actually given you significant things. As you wrestle with that, the conclusion is has to be to step in. The conclusion has to be that. We need to be hungry for ourselves, for us to feed ourselves. Does that make sense? If you want to eat, then you've got to have somewhere to put the food. I think that those three things are three defining things of a believer. I think as I unpacked that, as I explored that hamper, I realised that when it says, simply follow me, when it says love your neighbour, when it says all the pieces that we picked up, obedience, discipleship, all those things come from a place of acknowledging Jesus as Lord, not as an advisor, and that there is purpose in that. And that is transforming. If you want the Holy Spirit to speak to you, if you want the Holy Spirit to make a difference in your life, then you've got to believe that He's going to speak. You've got to believe that that He wants something to say. If you want to see the kids on the chips camp actually know the love that Jesus has for them, then we've got to step in and be involved in that. If we want to see our young people's lives transformed, then we've got to be discipling them. Being a follower of Jesus is a place of response. It's not a place of perfection. And the beautiful thing about this space is that it's a space where you can have a go. If you can't have a go here, what chance do you have having a go out there? If you can't have a go when you're with your family who get what we're here for, then what hope do you have when you're trying to share with your workmates? When you're trying to pray for someone on the street? So I really sense that the Lord wants us to step in, step in. And if you're not sure what you're stepping into, ask Him because He's not a mysterious God. He's not hiding from us. I really believe that He wants to talk. He wants to release gifts. He wants to train and equip. He wants to build up the church. And He's given us the people here to do that. That's you. That's not me. It is me, but it's us. And that passage of uh, Paul is really fantastic in 1 Corinthians 2. When I first came to you, I didn't use lofty words for brilliant ideas to tell you God's message, for I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. He got his priorities right. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Again, it's not about getting it right. It's about getting, stepping in. It's about stepping in. And my message and my preaching were very plain. I did not use wise and persuasive speech, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so that you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. We have a risk of creating a golden calf. There's always that risk. They couldn't be bothered waiting for God, so they decided to recreate God as a form of a golden calf. Let's not make that mistake again. We've got a great demonstration of what that looks like, of being distracted by by the sizzling gold, the sparkling gold. Sometimes we have to make a decision when it's not easy, when it's not exciting, when it's not passionate. But the Holy Spirit is at work, and we need to trust the Holy Spirit in this place. Can I just pray? Lord, I just thank you so much. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you are way more than any of us. I thank you that you're present are here right now and you're speaking into our hearts, Father. Lord, I know personally that my words just don't say enough of what it is that you want to do. And yet, Lord, I know and I trust you that they don't need to because, Lord, you convict, you direct you challenge each of us, Father. And so right now, Lord, I just pray you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would bring clarity where there is confusion. Lord, I pray that you would bring passion where there is apathy. Lord, I pray that you would bring purpose where there is aimlessness. But above all that, Lord, I just want your will to be done in this place, with these people. Lord, you know who we are. You know the things we stuff up and the things we celebrate and do well. And yet in amongst it all, you ask us just to trust you. And so, Father, we come right now. And we say, Lord, we trust you. Another significant part about bringing a word, something you feel Lord wants to share with people, is that once you've delivered it, your job's done. And you've got to let go of it. Because it's, it's not your word. And uh, that's where I want to leave the word. But I don't want to leave the word. Because part after that is to go, is it God's word for us? And that's something that you have to decide, not me. Every single one of you has to decide whether God's speaking. Because if God's speaking, and he's king, and he's Lord, and not just an advisor, then there's only one option, and that's to follow. And if he's not speaking, that's okay, I'm not offended. I've done the thing that I felt God telling me to do. And so right now, I'd actually like you to make a choice. Has God been speaking to you this morning? And as I said, I've, I've, I'm at peace, as in, it's not about me. This is not responding to Matt. This is not making me feel like I've done a good job or anything like that. That's a distraction if that's where you're heading. My question is, If God is speaking, then let's respond. And part of our culture, I'd love to do that every time we sense God speaking. That's a choice we we get to make every time we believe the Lord's saying something, is are we going to respond? So I have no idea what that's going to look like, but I want you to respond this morning in obedience to what you feel God's saying. And if that's nothing, that's okay, because I know he'll speak when he wants to speak. And if you believe God is saying something this morning, then I just want you to respond to that. There's plenty of options available if you want to respond. You can respond by worshipping, and I'll invite the worship team to come up and, and play. You can respond by maybe going on your knees and praying, coming up the front. You can respond by standing with someone and praying. Or maybe God's actually telling you to do some other things this morning. Maybe there's some things that he wants you to deal with that you realize that, that he's actually just been an advisor in particular situations that you need to fix. But that's between you and God. The beauty of this space is you can have a go, you can stuff it up, and it's still okay. So I'd really encourage you, whatever God's saying, to respond. Because this is a cushioned, soft place to fall. I'm not saying you are going to fall, but it's okay to have a go and step into that space. So can I please really encourage you right now to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you personally. And, and again, it, every time someone gives a word, that's, that's the, the, the right place to be is to say, God, what are you saying here? And then respond in obedience. Respond to our Lord and King who has an amazing plan and purpose for you, way above what you can hope or imagine. Just remember that. This is not a place of he's a king. And and the the bit I skipped in in, um, Samuel was what an oppressive king is going to do to you. That's not our king. He's not an oppressive king who wants to domineer and and make you feel bad about yourself. He wants the best. He wants the best. We just need to say, yes, we trust you for the best.